0: Hebrews chapter eleven verses twenty three through twenty nine. By faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents, because they saw he was a proper child, and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather, rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a re- for a season esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the, of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing he, him who is invisible. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should t- touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians assaying saying to do were drowned. Welcome again to our worship service tonight. We're grateful for your presence. If you're visiting, as always, we are grateful for your presence. We have a lot of visitors, and we unfortunately don't have a lot of members tonight. But uh, whatever the case may be, we're glad that you're here, and we we are grateful, eternally grateful to those that have chosen to begin working with us here at Olive Branch, and I really believe that great things are in the future for the church here. I am grateful for the opportunity to be a part of the work, and I think back just over the past few months at some of the positive things that have occurred, and one of the thoughts that keeps recurring in my mind is a statement that I made to Brother George Jacobs before I ever began working with the church here. And I said, you would have to try not to grow in this community. And I really believe that's the case. If we just do what God asks us to do, then I really believe that he will bless us and bless us immensely. And so what we want to do is to keep forging ahead and doing everything that we can. And ultimately, we will do so for the glory and good of God. Tonight we're going to be looking at the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews, the passage that Matt read a moment ago in verses 23 through 29. I want us to think for a moment or two about this man named Moses. And I would submit unto you tonight that Moses was a mighty man of God. You and I, we have the ability to ultimately create our own legacy. How will you be remembered one day? How will I be remembered? Each and every day, you and I make choices in this life. And those choices have a lot to do with who we are, what we are. Well, Moses made some very deliberate choices in this life. And as a result of the choices that he made while here on planet Earth, He became one of God's great leaders in the past. As a matter of fact, we often refer to Moses as the great leader and lawgiver of ancient Israel. Probably one of the most prominent individuals recorded in the pages of the Bible. But tonight I invite you to think with me for just a moment or two about this great and mighty man of God. The first thing that I would call your attention to would be his family. And as we think about his family, I guess we need to go back and look at some background information and then note his birth. But in verse 23, the Bible says, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child, and they were not afraid of the king's command. Now, in the book of Genesis in the last chapter of Genesis, the last verse in that book, records for us the death of Joseph. Now Joseph, you recall, rose to great prominence in the court of Pharaoh. As a matter of fact, he was second in command unto Pharaoh. God had blessed him immeasurably. And through Joseph, God's people had been allowed to settle in the land of Goshen, and there begin growing into a mighty nation of people. Because you see, Joseph was a tool for God. The providential care of Almighty God is seen in the life of Joseph. Joseph, you recall, said to his brothers, and his brothers had been very deceitful towards him, He said, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. God sent me before you to preserve life. Joseph understood that God had a plan for him in life. And so God used him effectively as a great tool to be a leader among this infant nation of people. Well, in Exodus chapter 1, when we make the transition over into this book, the Bible says in verse 8 that there arose a new king in Egypt. And the Bible says this king knew not Joseph. And really what Moses is saying there, I believe Moses wrote the book of Exodus, that there was a king in Egypt after the death of Joseph that no longer knew the God of Abraham Isaac, Jacob, and yes, even Joseph. In other words, this Pharaoh did not look favorably upon the God of heaven and thus in turn did not look favorably upon the people of God, that being the Hebrew nation. And so in chapter 1 of the book of Exodus, we read of how Pharaoh afflicted the people of God. He made them serve with rigor. And they began to cry out unto Jehovah God for deliverance. And God said, I have seen your tears. I have heard your groanings. Pharaoh feared the Hebrew people. And so because of that, he set forth a decree. And in Exodus chapter 1, verse 22, the decree read that every son that is born, you shall cast into the river alive. Well, thank God for the parents of this young child named Moses particularly his mother. The Bible tells us that because of her great faith, I believe because of her great faith, she built a small ark and placed that infant child at the edge of the river. Pharaoh's daughter was according to chapter 2 bathing or washing in the river and she came upon this child that you and I know as Moses. And so she retrieved this baby, and ultimately the baby's biological mother was called for. But nonetheless, the text tells us that Moses had the opportunity to be reared in the court of Pharaoh. Now, this is very important. Because in Acts chapter 7, verse 22, the Bible tells us concerning Moses that he was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and that he was mighty in words and deeds. You're, not, you're talking here about an individual that had been schooled by some very intellectual people. Moses was by no means a second-rate individual. But rather, he had the opportunity to be tutored and trained by the very best. So ultimately, God could use him. But the Bible tells us in verse 23 that Moses was a person of faith. So in verse 24, by faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So we think first of all of his family, his background, his birth, but then in the second place, let's talk now about his faith. And as we think about his faith, there's a term that comes to my mind. And the word has to do with battle. Moses may not have understood at the onset what kind of battles he was in store for when God called him as recorded in Exodus chapter 3. God was going to use this man, and God did use him effectively. But the usage of Moses by God entailed this man of faith making some very deliberate choices in life. Now you might ask the question, What kind of choices did Moses have to make in order to be an instrument for good by Jehovah God? Well, number one, he had to make some choices concerning his associations. The Bible says, by faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. So first of all, he had to sever some ties. Earthly relationships sometimes must be severed if we are going to be faithful followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. I can think of two individuals that I have met in days gone by that because they obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ their family members basically cut them off. Because they became New Testament Christians they said, in effect, we want nothing more to do with you. Now, that's a tough choice. Jesus said in Luke chapter 14, If any man come after me and hate not or love less his mother and father, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. There are times when you and I are called upon to make choices in this life. When we come to Jesus Christ, we have to make some initial choices. Those choices sometimes have a bearing on whom we're going to interact with. It might be friends. It might be family members. But whatever the case may be, choices have to be made. Moses made some choices. And the text tells us he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Now, let's take it a step further. This decision that Moses made had some consequences attached to it. Because in verse 25 it says, He chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. But note if you would verse 26, Esteeming the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. Not only did Moses walk away from earthly relationships, but he walked away from earthly relationships treasures. Moses had the opportunity to be reared in the court of Pharaoh. You want to talk about wealth? Immense wealth and power and prestige? What was it Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16 verse 26? What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? I said sometimes that we have to make decisions and choices regarding earthly relationships. Sometimes those relationships, if they're severed, in effect, mean the severance of material possessions or earthly treasures. Moses was said to have been a man mighty in word and deed. He literally had the world at his fingertips. And yet he was willing to walk away from that because of his faith. And so we think about the associations that Moses had to make some choices concerning. But then also, we think about his afflictions. And this really has to do with his suffering. Note again what the Hebrew writer says in verse 25. He chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Now, first of all, he's made the decision to walk away from some earthly family members. He's severed those relations. He's walked away from the treasures in Egypt, and now... He is, in effect, saying, I'm willing to suffer for the cause of Jehovah God. You ever thought about the challenge before Moses? Here is God, in chapter 3, coming to Moses and telling him that he wants to use him in a great way. Now, you can read the book of Exodus, and you can read chapters 4 and 5 and note the responses that... Moses gave to God as to why he was not up to the challenge to leading the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage. Now, you and I, we might say, well, some of those reasons were valid. Well, they were valid in the eyes of Moses. But God said, I can take a man like you, and I can use you. Is it going to be easy? No. There are a lot of things in life that are not easy. And yet sometimes we look at those as burdens, but I think that on the other side of the coin, maybe they are blessings. Because we can use these difficulties and trials to better ourselves, spiritually speaking, to develop greater character. Now, Moses had before him some suffering. I think about the fact that He was going to have to lead over a million people. Now, right now we're in the midst of a presidential election. And we have seen the the battles that have already taken place in the political arena. And you have individuals that are wanting to be leaders of this nation. They're wanting to lead a nation of people. Well, here is God calling upon Moses, and he's saying, in effect, I want you to be a leader among my people. And not only would Moses be a great leader, but he's going to be a lawgiver. And he is going to have to listen to these people, to their burdens, their troubles, and their trials. And there's no doubt in my mind that Moses became exasperated on a number of occasions because of the murmuring and complaining of, Of these people so Moses had he had quite a task before him there were any number of difficult times before him when God summoned him to this position of leadership and so we think about his afflictions but then also his activities Think for a moment about how each and every one of us are members of the body of Christ. I like to think about Christianity as a growing process. If you and I knew 20 years ago what we knew today, maybe if we had known 20 years ago the the level of responsibilities that we would be bearing today, we might be scared to death. We might have been scared to death back then. Sometimes it's a great blessing to not know the future. But God was able to train to tutor Moses. We think about the number of years that Moses was schooled for this very position in life. And I think about how God can use each and every one of us. Moses was called upon to carry out some pretty pretty tough things. It might be the case that there are some tough things in your future. It might be that there are some great responsibilities that await you down the road. But rather than shrinking back from those responsibilities and opportunities, we, like Moses, need to seize them. Well, what about the activities of Moses? God called Moses to be a leader among his people. He sent him before Pharaoh. In chapter 5, we find Moses standing before Pharaoh, demanding that God's people be allowed to leave. Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should know him, that I should obey him? You see, here's a man that's not knowledgeable about the God of the Hebrew people. But nonetheless, look at our text. In verse, first of all, look at verse 28. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. Now you can read of that series of miracles that Moses performed in the court of Pharaoh. And each and every one of the miracles that he performed should have been an object lesson to Pharaoh that this this man is a servant of God. This man means business. Well, we find the culmination of it in the institution of the Passover in chapter 12. God instituted the Passover, and God said to ancient Israel that they were to take a lamb without spot. They were to take the blood of that lamb to strike the doorpost and the lintel of their dwelling places, and when the destroyer went through the land, their firstborn would not be killed. That took faith. And the children of Israel did so, but they did so under the leadership of Moses. Now in Exodus chapter 12, at verse 22, God instructed the people of Israel that they were not, To go out of their houses until morning. They were saved in their dwelling place. As long as the blood was on the lintel and the doorpost of their dwelling, the destroyer would pass over them. What's the significance of that today? That took faith. It took faith on the part of the children of Israel to slay a lamb and then to place the blood at the appointed places. The Bible tells us that, that the church today is the house of the living God and that the blood of Christ is located in the house of the living God. As a matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, the Bible says that Christ is our Passover. The children of Israel were not to go out of their houses until morning. When you obey the gospel and become a New Testament Christian, you belong to the house of the living God. That is, you belong to the church of Christ. And if you want to appropriate in a continuous way the blood of Christ, you have to stay in the house. That is, you have to stay in the house of the living God because that's where the blood remains. Our relationship is sustained in Christ and in the church of Christ. And so these people kept the Passover. But then also note, if you would, at verse 27, by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. How would, you like, how would you like to have had the wrath of Pharaoh bearing down on you? And then verse 29, by faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, whereas the Egyptians, attempting to do so, were drowned. I think about what a great victory that was for the people of God. Moses was able to lead these people through the Red Sea. The sea parted. They crossed over onto dry land, and yet the Egyptians, along with Pharaoh, they were swallowed up in that sea. That took great faith. And all of these activities have been recorded for us in the pages of the Bible. Moses was a mighty man of God. But then there is a third thing that we see in our lesson text. This has to do with his fortune. The great blessings that he enjoyed. What about those blessings? What kind of blessings did Moses enjoy as a leader and lawgiver among ancient Israel? Well, first of all, may I suggest unto you that Moses was a visionary. Note if you would what he said in verse 26. Esteeming the reproach of Christ, that being Moses, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Moses, by faith, had the ability to look down the road. Sometimes in our world, the problem that we face and the problem that we face as members of the body of Christ is we are short-sighted. We only see what is before us. We only see the here and now. What we need to do is through the eye of faith look down the road. Aren't you thankful for people like Moses who was a visionary? What a great example he has set for us. Had Moses been short-sighted, what do you think he would have done? Well, number one, he would have never left the comforts of the court of Pharaoh. I mean, why leave there? You've got it made. Why would you want to walk away from the treasures in Egypt? Oh, because he saw him who is invisible. Moses through the eye of faith, could see the end of the road. What about you? How visionary are you in this life? I think about the life of the Apostle Paul. When Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he talked about our light affliction, which seemeth but for a moment. He said, it worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal. The things which are not seen are eternal. The world looks at that which is seen. The world looks at the temporal, transitory things of life and that's where they literally hook their wagons. But those of us who are God's people, through the eye of faith we look to that which is not seen, that which is eternal in nature. What do you want to do with your life? You know, I think about... about those of us that are God's people. If you're a Christian, you made a deliberate choice at some point in time to become a follower of the Lord. And you said that you would allow God to use you as an instrument of righteousness in his kingdom. Now let me ask this question. Is God currently using you? Are you yielding to the will of God so that he can use you in his kingdom, in this community, as we speak. God used Moses, and he can use us. But if we're only seeing the here and now, if we're only looking at those things which are ephemeral or temporal in nature, then God's not going to be able to use us. What we have to do is to, is to develop a different mentality or mindset. I said just a moment ago that Moses was a visionary. What is your vision for the church of our Lord? What is your vision for the church right here at Olive Branch? I'll tell you what my vision is. My desire is to see individuals become members of the body of Christ through our efforts together. How can that be accomplished? Two ways. Number one, we baptize people into Christ. We do so because we are concerned about the lost. We understand that people are lost and dying in sin. Without the blood of Christ, they stand condemned. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, Romans 6, verse 23. If each and every one of us will reach out to the lost, we'll fill this building. But then there's a second way that we can grow or that we can begin to go forward numerically. and That would be for faithful people to come and join hands with us and become a part of the work here. And I've said on, num- on numerous occasions that I'm not a sheep stealer. I'm not trying to, st- to steal sheep from other congregations, and I'm not. But if good people are looking for a congregational home and they want to find a place where they can, can basically develop a niche and get busy, listen, the door's wide open here. There are any number of things that you can do. We need you. And we would be happy to beg for your services because we need good people. But in order for this congregation to move forward and to grow and to expand and to broaden the borders of the kingdom in this community, we have to be visionary. It begins with the eldership, and then it trickles on down. I'm grateful for the elders that we have in this congregation. And I can tell you right now, we have all of the pieces in place to do great things in this community. We've got it in place. All we have to do is trust in God and do our part. And God will bless us. But what we have to do is realize that the fields are whitened unto harvest. Take some vision. I remember the words of Solomon in the book of Proverbs, and Solomon was talking about revelation in this context, but we'll just borrow what he said. He said, where there is no vision, the people perish. Now, he's talking about revelation there, but you could make a play on that and say, where there is no vision, congregations will not go forward. Where there is no vision, individual Christians will not go forward. You and I, we have to determine within ourselves where we want to be, what we want to do, how are we going to achieve those goals. Moses was a visionary, but also Moses was a victor. That is, he enjoyed victory. Look again at verse 26. He esteemed the reproach of Christ, greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. Moses looked to that reward. What is Christianity all about? Why live by faith? Why live and serve the Lord? Because we're looking for that eternal reward. Drop back, if you would, in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. And just note some of the statements made about these great men and women of faith in chapter 11. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. By faith, Enoch was translated so that he did not see death. By faith, Noah, being divinely warned of things not seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his house. By faith, Abraham obeyed. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. So here were people that did what? They lived by faith. But note verse 13. In verse 13, the Bible says, These all died in faith. Moses died in faith. Moses lived by faith, that's right, but he also died in faith. Was was Moses perfect? No. We think about the fact that God prohibited him from entering the promised land. He got to view the promised land, but he didn't get to go into the promised land. Nonetheless, Moses looked perfect to that reward. You and I, we're on a journey and I'm thankful we're journeying together because we as God's people are journeying to spiritual Canaan. That is, we're on the road to heaven and by faith we will get there. You see, faith gives substance and reality to things not seen. That's what the Hebrew writer said in Hebrews chapter 11. The question is, do you have faith? Moses was a mighty man of God. Question, are you a mighty person of God? Is God using you in this community for his good and his glory as we speak? Tonight it might be the case you're here, you're not a Christian. Our appeal to you would be to remember that Christ died for your sins. That's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that he was buried, that he was raised again on the third day according to the scriptures. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God loves you. God wants you to be saved. 1 Timothy chapter 2 at verse 4. What would you need to do? Well, first of all, you have to have faith. That's what the Hebrew writer said in Hebrews chapter 11. Without faith, it's impossible to be well-pleasing to him. But then also we must repent. That is, turn from a life of sin. Jesus said, except you repent, you will all likewise perish, Luke 13:3. Then we are to confess with our mouth what we believe in our heart, Romans 10, 9 and 10. The Bible says we are to be baptized or immersed in water for the remission of our sins, Acts 2:38. When we do that, we enjoy salvation, Mark 16, verse 16. For faithful till death, the promise is the crown of life. Tonight, the question to you, are you a child of God? If not, why not come? If you are a child of God, but you've gone back into the world, could we pray with you and for you? God will abundantly pardon. Would you come as we stand and sing?